0: Welcome back to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt of the podcast where I get to just sit down and talk to my friends. Sorry, it's been a minute. We had to take a little break there. Uh, change of seasons, as they say. We're starting out season three real special today, tonight, whenever you happen to be listening to it. Got a great friend of mine in the house today, literally my man, Michael 5000 Watts. What's up, my brother?
1: Hey, I'm good, man. How you doing, man?
0: Man, the Swisher house is in the house today. And we were just talking, man, we go back a good 20 years now, man.
1: Yeah, I think it's longer than that, honestly. A little bit, yeah, yes. for sure.
0: I remember the first time I met you, before we knew each other, just shook hands, was uh, at Music Mania.
1: You know what's so crazy? My memory is so bad, I don't even remember the...
0: I mean, for it's me, crazy. though, I remember, because there's no reason for you to remember me at that time, but you know, I was working in the record store, and Michael Watts came in from the Swisher house with a bunch of tapes and CDs. Oh,
1: yeah, Definitely. And I, that's here
0: in Austin Music Mania.
1: Yeah, I miss Music Mania, man. Those guys were so cool out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole staff over there, man, they they were cool as, you know, cool as shit, you know.
0: Yeah, those were the days, man. That was like uh I'm so happy now in, you know, 2022 that the record stores are back. You know, it's so nice that they're still Austin's a good city for buying records still, but like Music Mania at the time that was our internet. You know, that was the hub. That's where we found out about music. You know, that's how you go into the record store in the Soundwaves or in Stick Horse or in any of the you know the places in Music Depot and all this in Houston. But that was like, they were such a central place for people who, who like music.
1: Exactly, man. I'm, I'm, I remember when I first started coming to Austin, I literally went to Music Mania every time I came here because I can always find something that I couldn't find anywhere else in mm-hmm. Music Mania.
0: They were thorough, <clears throat> and they really uh, cared about the, you know, the community that was supporting them. I mean, because Bernard and them were, like, real, real record collectors, like vinyl collectors. You know, they weren't necessarily bang and screw in Swisher House and things, but they were, like, they knew where they were, and the, and the people who were coming in to buy these records, they were really serving a purpose in the community of, like, bringing this music to Austin, giving the chance to sell, you know, underground music. I mean, they used to even let Austin artists would sell out the trunk outside the store. That's real. Which was crazy. And they didn't trip off it or anything. They just let everybody kind of do their thing. And in the end, it, it got rough, I think, like any record store. But they were they were not hurting when it was really going down.
1: Exactly. I mean, I remember when the whole era when it went from from physical to digital. Mm-hmm. And even at that point right there for us, it, it hurt us as well, too. Mm-hmm. Because you realize, man, you went from um, from dollars to cents.
0: If even, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing you couldn't do, you couldn't beat free. No. Yeah. It's no matter what you put into this music right now, you had to be innovative. I felt like you had to make your music souvenirable. Something mm-hmm. about this has to uh, uh, make you really want to get the physical product because you can always go get the... Um, the music, you can go download it from anywhere, Wire back de- back mm-hmm. in the day, but one thing we did over at the Switch House, right, we say, if you don't have the stamp, you're getting fucked.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, and that made people wanted to get the CD because it was souvenirable to them. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to show people, hey man, look, I got the real one. You know, I got the artwork. You know, like we had different people doing the artwork on it, so we made it really creative and souvenirable. So that's why a lot of people bought a lot of the Switch House stuff on top of the quality of the music.
0: Well, I mean, I love to see this kind of come full circle now because there are people who really want that physical disc. They really want the album or the tape or something souvenirable, as you say, like to actually hold. Because, I mean, I feel like I complain a lot. We've talked about music and you know how uh, I can be when it comes to, uh, you know, I think things are getting better. Like things go up and down in this music. But that SoundCloud era... For me, I couldn't really deal with it. You know, I couldn't deal with it. And I think that part of that reason is a lot of that stuff only existed in that realm. It didn't actually push that hard. And when you guys were doing it, not everybody could just do it like that. You had to know how to do it. You had to know how to get your record pressed, how to do, you know, the CDs made it a little bit easier, but not everybody could just do it. And then at the time when it just opened up to every single person being able to do it, I think a lot of the quality went down. But now we're in a new era. Yeah. Again, and we're seeing a whole new era of music. And I go to the record stores here, Breakaway and Endmaneer and places like that, and Piranha. There's always people in there.
1: Exactly, man. There's, There's people. always
0: people buying records in there every time.
1: Yeah, because right now it's just something about that souvenirable type thing around there. You don't have anything that I can take, you know, or keep from my favorite artists around there. This is a part of me. You know what I mean? I was a part of that life.
0: It feels different, too, though, to listen to something you personally own. I mean, it's just a totally different feel. Like, to go through Spotify, how many times do you go through your music service to try and hear some new music and you listen to, like, 15 seconds of a song?
1: I mean, you know what? You had a different appreciation for music when you had to buy it mm-hmm. before. Nowadays, man, there's, there's, there's so much stuff around it. Actually, it's, it becomes a burden. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff in your face that you don't have to look for it nowadays.
0: I think that's what happened to me to an extent. It became my brain couldn't even handle it.
1: You can't, you know?
0: So many people bring me so much music, and there's so many things I want to hear. And that's where, in the industry or whatever, that's part of a downfall of a lot of people is you really get wrapped up in everything people are pushing in your face as opposed to going out and finding what you really just want to hear, what really makes you happy.
1: You know where I create my playlist from now? Watching TV commercials. What? Yes, man. I'm 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 literally Shazamming all the background music around there. Like you listen to the TV, you watch the TV commercials around there, and, and there's this funky ass song they playing in there. And I literally go rewind the commercials, and and, and you know Shazam it. Mm-hmm. And that's a big uh, a part of my playlist. And a lot of people that that are listening to music nowadays, they they're doing the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. you know, they're creating the playlist from a lot of the commercials that they're listening, watching, or listening to.
0: Yep. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I used to say uh, when we first got cable, when I was like 8 years old, cable TV. I remember saying to my mother, "Man, I wish we could have cable radio. I wish I could hear what's going on in other parts of the world, even just other cities, you know. I wish we could do that." Now we have all that and more. And I was talking about that with a friend of my father's when I was, you know, maybe 10. And he 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 said to me, "What I really would love to see is I want to come up with a radio where like you're in the car driving and, and when they're playing the song, it it shows the name of the the artist and the song. This is like in the '80s. He was saying this, and I was looking at him as a little. I was like, "How do you do that? There's no way you could do that." Man, now we got everything. Like you can, like you said, Shazam. There's people who I know, you're DJing in the club. There's someone sitting there, Shazam, and all your songs.
1: I'm that person. Yeah, for real. I mean, I, my favorite thing when I do go listen to DJs, I want to go listen to a DJ that's not playing the same stuff that everyone else is playing. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite club DJs is Oak Cliff. Mm-hmm. I would go to Carrington's early, right? Oak Cliff, a lot of times, he'll start, to, he'll start a set at by 10, and I'll literally be that person there at 10. Mm-hmm. See, Oak Cliff is having fun. He's like Oh, gee, I'm finna the drop this right here, man. Just check this out. Like we having fun. You know? It's just like how we are digging in record crates, right? Mm-hmm. It's like,
0: oh we! I got this brand new record I want to play.
1: Bam. And Oaklip still has that energy. So I love listening to him, you know?
0: I used to see I cannot believe he's still at Carrington. I can't believe Carrington still exists of all the things that have gone and come and gone. But like I used to see him DJ with cassettes.
1: Exactly. He
0: was mixing songs from cassettes.
1: Exactly, and and even to the day he's mixing songs with CDs, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he 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 does a great job, and you know, like he was
0: playing cassettes in the club. I know like it was
1: crazy. I know <laughs> conventional cassettes, yeah. and and he's doing a better job than people that had, you know, vinyl back then. You mm-hmm. know, and that's unheard of for somebody to actually DJ a club. Him and Grayface are DJing the club with freaking cassettes. Yep. Like even right now, they're DJing a the whole club with CDs. Mm-hmm. At this point, unheard of. Yep. They don't you know that they have the world's longest club residency.
2: I want to see the DJ. That, I'm that sure, that. that's true. Yeah,
1: I mean, because they have the club residency over twenty years.
0: They were in the early nineties. Yes, I. I don't they know. They were at Carringtons like on Mondays in the early nineties. I would Sundays.
1: not. I would not be surprised if they have the longest club residency. In America, at least. They might. I guarantee you, nobody has. No club has been um, no, a stable imagine. over 20 years nowadays.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: That's crazy, you know?
0: And that whole South Maine has changed so much from that time, too. That whole area has changed like crazy, but it still exists.
1: You know, and those guys right there, they molded um, the culture of the South Side, there, right there at Carrington's. Mm hmm. You know, because one thing about Carringtons, you will see people there. That's um, it's the the there's no age pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are literally people there from twenty one to wherever. You know,
0: and back in the day when it was right across the street from the main sound waves in town, that was a, quite a strip.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, that was definitely. Shit.
0: Well, speaking of the past and history. I'm kicking myself because we we've been traveling a bit and so we were not around to come to Houston for the Swisher House experience. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because that had to have brought back a lot of memories for you actually being there and seeing all that work in one place at one time because I just saw the, the footage on the internet about it, you know, and, you know, big ups Mike Frost and everybody who made that happen. Exactly. But like, looking back at that history and all the work you guys all put in, including Mike, uh, <clears throat> it's just... It just sparked a lot of stuff in my brain for sure.
1: It's so crazy, man. It's like a lot of times that I I personally forget how much everybody did to contribute to this culture, you know, Mm -hmm. and and the Swisher house culture. You know, when I got to seeing all those pictures and stuff around there, right? I mean, it's just like, it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to this, you know? Because a lot of, uh, you know, we all get caught up in our uh, own world. And, yep. and when you're going forward, you know, you, you forget about all the groundwork that everybody put in. You know, you know, Mike Frost, G-Dash, all the artists. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you forget about all that groundwork history, historic shit. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, in that era, speaking of CDs and all that, I mean, that artwork was important. You know, his whole style and what he brought to the table was really important as far as, like, getting to that point of purchase and getting people to buy that product and having it look so professional. I mean, how many covers did we used to see that had blurry pictures and, you know, no real graphic design? And then somebody like Mike came in, and Pen and Pixel, of course, they changed the whole game back in the day. But, like, his work is very distinct, and it's such a cool thing to see that whole collection there. I mean, and he says he wants to travel with it, so...
1: You know what's so crazy about it, man? Mike Mike Frost is like one of those most, one of the most creative people that I've ever met. You mm-hmm. know? One thing I like about Mike Frost is the fact that I want to do something different. Mike Frost is like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. no pushback. It's no let's stay in the box. You know? Mike Frost has never been like that. You know? Let's go all the way out of the box.
0: For real. Yeah. So, dope. so dope. What kind of feelings did you have seeing that though and being in the I mean, I saw. I mean, I saw Corolla I saw everybody in the house that night. Yeah.
1: Like it kind of was
0: like a a real family
2: reunion. reunion. Yeah, yeah it reunion. was
1: a family reunion. You know, it it you know what it it gets emotional because mm-hmm. you kind of forget what the what, what the whole family has done. You know what I mean? When and you get to seeing all this type of stuff around there. I mean, you get to seeing you. I remember this day this happened, and I remember what happened. You know, uh, in that era. You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and a lot of people, I, I wish everybody could have came, you know what I mean? I wish that uh, Mike Jones could have came. I wish Slim could have came, you know? Because a lot of times, man, when when you really get to seeing where you came from, you know, and, and you get to embracing the culture that you have created around them, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of us don't realize the impact that they created on the world and the culture there, and you really see that, you know. Mm-hmm. Only thing I was just thinking, man, when I when I saw some of those pictures, I'm like, damn. When I started uh, doing uh, mixtapes around there, I just did it because I like good good music. Mm-hmm. I never thought that the the thing that I started with, right, was going to end up blowing up into this big subculture of this. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just one of those type of people that love quality music and like going out of the box on, mm-hmm. you know. I never thought that this shit was going to grow into this,
0: man. to what it
1: became. You know what when I mean? When you
0: were doing, when you started though, Houston was an island. Houston was an island far, far away from everywhere. Man, what it was, what you guys were doing. You know, like it was so different and so radical and so new, and misunderstood. That when it finally, and thanks to the Swisher House, and because everybody says Houston blew up, did this that, but it was Swisher House for the most part. It was y'all people that started with you for the most part, the ones that really, really broke out, and. Man, that was the most incredible thing to see for me, because I was always trying to be an advocate, trying to tell people, like, no, no, Houston's got some stuff. Things are happening here. You need to check this out. And everybody would be like, what is that? What is that? Slow down. No, no, you know. And then when it really hit, it meant so much. But those days were incredible. Like, yesterday, we were listening to a a radio show from England. It's a guy named Tom Ravenscroft, and his father was a really – revolutionary DJ John Peel over there. And so I always try to listen to his son's his show when I can. And we had the volume turned down talking to a friend and I heard this sound. It was like, sounded like a, I mean, I hate this. It sounded like a Swisher House mix from a cassette in the early days. It was like so raw and so like kind of lo-fi sounding like the tapes back in the day. Yeah. And I turned it up. And it was kind of just like a weird – I don't remember the name. I need. I, I actually shazammed it. I'll find it. But it was kind of a weird kid, and he had it all slowed down, and it was just like a brand-new thing that came out just now. But it wasn't just like some – just rap. Yeah. It was like some kind of electronic weirdness that they had totally slowed down and had that feel. And I was like, man, this is 2022. Who are these kids? Man, this stuff that you guys were doing in the in the garage or whatever became – it's this worldwide phenomenon.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I never expected for that stuff to end up happening like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, really right on the cool, I was, just, I, I was just a kid just trying to give people a voice. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know what I mean? That's all I wanted to do, man. Just put smiles on people's faces and shit, you know? Yeah,
0: man. I mean, but it was such a fun time. Like, I loved. it. I, tr- I try to keep up with the young people now and what they do and, and hear things, and I kind of keep up with young people more outside of rap than what you know in hip-hop these days sort of but like more experimental things that are happening and different things but like back in those days it was so incredible to see people from the neighborhood or people you saw at the club selling your favorite cd (laughs) you know like this became like your favorite song this became it really spoke to the community and because it came of the community and it was such a different vibe like and i think I'm thinking about all this because I was looking at all the photos and the the uh, the videos that Mike put up after that, the Swisher House Experience event. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, this is just scratching the surface of how much stuff was going on in that time period. You know
1: one thing that, that like, I realized back then? Mm-hmm. The mixtapes were the, the street newspaper. Exactly. What was going on? In, and If you wanted to know what was going on in the streets there, right now, right? You would listen to the mixtapes and, and what was going on, that's exactly what was being expressed by the artists that were rapping on the mixtapes and stuff right now. You know? Exactly what we we did. We represented the Houston culture, you know?
0: For real. Yeah. <clears throat> when did you first start uh going out of Houston? Taking the music outside of Houston? What inspired you to take that f- first trip to Austin or to Dallas?
1: Um, I've been mean, um going out of Houston, man. Really when I when I um when I graduated out of school, mm-hmm. right, uh, my mentor is Lester Pace. Yeah, and um, I used to uh, go DJ parties for Lester. Lester used to hit all the little small towns outside of Houston, mm-hmm. and uh, I would actually go DJ some of the parties for him. Ron and I just got addicted to traveling, mm-hmm. you know, way before the Swish House even existed. I mean, this was in the early '90s, mm-hmm. so um, you know, it just so much of it, it's so much fun being able to travel, you know what I mean? You have so much of an influence just by even going to a small town around there. You know what I mean? You could learn so much, you know, even though you might be in a, a country town, but there's something that you could learn from that. I learned so much um, about music and people and culture around that just by going to these small towns around there.
0: The energy coming from a place like Houston, it's, it's so different and it's such a uh... – it's a blessing to be able to go into these places and really experience, you know, people who appreciate what you're doing and they're hungry for it. Like they don't have a club every, you know, they don't have ten clubs to choose from on the weekend. Yeah, you know, and then you come into town and it's special. And uh, I always try to tell artists that that's y'all didn't make it just because of Houston. Screwed up, click didn't make it just because of Houston. You had no. to move around. You had to get you built a network, a very tight network in a region, and made a really good living off it. Yeah, made exactly. more money than people going around the world made sometimes.
1: I, I think, too. I mean, especially with Texas around right? Exactly. Texas, I believe, is one of the most, if not the most lucrative state in the, in the lower 48.
0: Yep. Well, you brought up Lester Sir Pace, man. And I think one of the best days I've had this year was when they did the Kids Jam reunion. Oh, man. Just yeah, listening was- to it. For, Start, they were starting off with like craft work and things like that. They like started. They they did it so incredibly. The way they put that together, that show together.
1: I, I'm gonna tell you something for people that don't know about Kids Jam, hip hop um, got its birth in Houston at Kids Jam in mm-hmm. the 80s. You know, if if you're a child of hip hop and and you know and you are an 80s baby and you're from Houston, you started with Kid's Jam. Yep. Yeah. they they the ones that started, everybody else was only playing R&B. They were the only people that were playing hip-hop.
0: You got up for it, too. You made sure to get up to listen to Kid's Jam and get your cassettes ready and, and record it.
1: Yeah, it was a religion, you know?
0: And, yeah, guess what? They didn't record that show. What? They did not record the reunion show. They didn't? No.
1: Somebody did.
0: Somebody had to somewhere, but they didn't. Nobody I know has it. So far. What? I want that. I have to have it. That was incredible. But I remember, like we were talking about Almeda a bit ago and where I came up, I used to go wash my car on Almeda almost every Saturday morning. And when you go wash your car on a Saturday morning, every car had the kids jam on. Oh, yeah. Every car had the kids jam playing. Oh, yeah. Everywhere you went.
1: Yeah. I, I had my boom box going and I was recording every weekend.
0: And when, tapes.
1: <laughs> their whole thing was, if commercial radio is playing it, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Period. You know? And and I, I loved out-of-the-box type stuff. When I first started doing radio, before it got so commercialized around that, that was the mentality I had when I was on Sunday night at, on, on the box, right? Mm-hmm. I want to play something new and good that you have never heard before.
0: Mm-hmm. I used to listen to you. I lived in Chicago from ninety eight to two thousand one and that was around the beginnings of internet radio. Mm-hmm. Uh what broadcast dot com and things like that were happening and it was really uh hit or miss getting the signal because we didn't we had dial up, we didn't have all this high speed stuff, but I used to listen to you on Sunday nights in Chicago as much as I could when it when I could get it to work, like on the real player or something. That's crazy. And I remember I remember specifically bun and middle fingers coming down. I remember that show. I remember. I remember a bunch of stuff you you used to do on that show. It was it was a lot of fun, man. But you just said something that uh, I gotta ask. Do you have any of those kids jam tapes?
1: The kids jam tapes. The old ones. <laughs> no, I don't have any Damn. of the kids jams. Neither do I. I mean, I I have That's... a lot of cassettes. You know what's so crazy? I just looked at my storage right, and um, I literally have a box with hundreds mm-hmm. of cassettes. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I created, uh, well, mixtapes that I made before the Switch House even existed, and a lot of the Switch House uh, mixes that I did before CDs came into play, you know. And I'm like, I was looking through the stuff. I say, man, I want to, I need, I want to play some of this shit and listen to it, you know.
0: We uh, have been doing that a bit. I need to start digitizing some of the stuff. But we have, I have some right behind you in that closet. There's tapes on tapes on tapes. Back yeah. when at KPFT in Houston, I was on in the early nineties. And then also, you know, later with damage control, but in the beginning of damage control, we still, I was still recording them on gray tapes. We didn't, we didn't have it all like in 2002, we didn't have it all totally set up to record digitally properly. And so I just made sure I recorded on cassette just to have, I stopped at the Walgreens on Montrose and love it right before the show every week and bought two gray tapes and recorded it.
1: That's crazy, man. You know, yep. I ain't gonna lie, man. That's when that's when music was really good when you wanted to record the show. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. It's trying to get that passion back for that run there. Because music is not the same. The culture is not the same. And people don't vibe the same anymore. You know?
0: Well, I mean, it became... Uh, it's so easy now. It's like... A lot of... I, I, I'm, we're older, you know. I still want to hear a person play me some music. Like, I, I want to hear something on the radio. Like I said, I listened to that guy's show yesterday because it's going to be something I never heard before. It's, somebody, it's an actual human being, but sometimes we're on a long drive and my wife will put, we'll grab the, the Spotify and go through the release radar, like the new stuff. It's not the same. It's just click, 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 as it is when someone's like, hey, you want to hear this? This is dope.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know what? There's no filter quality nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, remember back when the music industry were, uh, uh, were, were ran by musicians or mm-hmm. artists around there, right? You elevate and you start a record label around here. And, and you know, it was about the quality of music and, and, and bringing something different to the table. Now the music industry is ran by accountants and lawyers. Mm-hmm nobody gives a shit about the the uh the quality of the music or making anything different around it they're just trying to find something that generates profit that's it period or perceived to generate profit
0: i think things are coming back a bit though and they have been coming back like there's a there's a little renaissance of independence and people trying to do something interesting and think outside the box and not all sound the same like it's kind of interesting to see what's happening right now with uh just people releasing vinyl and people releasing, you know, trying to figure out ways to set themselves apart and do things different. It's gotten like, I think a lot of things have come full circle.
1: You have to do that. Yeah. Around there. You know, because one thing, like I said, we were missing the souvenirable part. Yeah. Even with the CDs, like right now, they have a lot of, there are people that come around there and they're, they're buying all the vintage CDs and stuff around mm-hmm. there. One thing I used to like about the CDs, uh, that you could read all the credits. All exactly. the writers were there. The yep. producers were there. And- and most of them, they had a story in it that you got to read the story and you got to learn about the artist and stuff like that. You know what I mean? We miss that. You don't get that shit from Spotify, you know?
0: No. I love, I read everything. You know, I love I love those days, And especially in records, you know, when they come with a whole package and the whole different thing. You recently released the Day Hell Broke Loose as a box set. Yes. And that was a great package. And that, And I will say, I will vouch for it. The record actually sounds real good. It sounds great on vinyl.
1: Yes, it, it does sound great and on vinyl. It sounds
0: really good on vinyl, hearing all those old songs, you know, on vinyl. for that's a, that, that was never on vinyl before, right? It no, it was. CDs. Never. It was cassettes.
1: Yes, yeah, only on CDs and cassettes. That's it.
0: Yep. And it's pretty special to uh, have that in, in these days and times. So, I mean, it's the best. For me, it's still the best format. I love records. But uh, how did that do for you? I mean, are people... I mean, are you selling that? I mean, I can yeah, sell...
1: Yeah, we, we're even. still selling it, man. We have yeah, only... We made a few of them because we we made a short run of it mm-hmm. I mean we probably have a few we have a few of them left mm-hmm. around there, so um if you're interested in getting one uh the website is held dot com you know you can, we still have a couple of the vinyls left they're only a few so after they're gone, they're gone
0: I'm sure man, and I know uh, i watch uh i'm sure you've uh, linked up with too tight from Japan. Um, this guy coming through buying. I've just watched him on the internet coming to Houston and Memphis and New Orleans buying all the CDs and records and taking them back to Japan. Ever you know what?
1: I, you know what? He just came to Houston uh, last week. Yep. And um, yeah, he he bought some box sets. I bet. Yeah, he bought some box sets because he he was coming through and he was looking for uh, full length CDs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He's one of those real collectors around there. And for a lot of people to know that they have a Southern American Southern Music
2: culture in mm-hmm. <laughs> Japan. Yeah.
1: Amazing.
0: It's amazing. Amazing. I mean, I was blew my mind seeing, because, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about how Houston, I, I say, is like an island back then. It was such its own entity. And uh, I'll never forget the first time in Norway seeing, you know, Rapid Rick mixing on stage and all these kids rapping along the South Side. That's and Some crazy. of these, like, deep Houston cuts, like, and just, just have your eyes open, like, wow, man, how far this has gone in an underground, like, subculture, but kids who were really, really passionate about it.
1: Yeah, that was crazy. I I remember when I first started going to places like New York and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And my mentality used to be, like, what what do they want to hear out here, you know? Mm -hmm. And and, and it took me a while to realize. I said, hey, man, these people booking me because they want to hear what I do Mm -hmm. here. They want to hear Southern music in New York. And then when I got that, I started giving them what they wanted. You know, I remember when I first went to Boston and there was a line wrapped around the building. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm tripping. Like, man, I've never seen a line like that just for people that uh, wanna hear me play Southern music. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? In Boston. Cause yeah. a lot of people, they're fans of Southern music, but when they're on the East Coast, the, the DJs don't play that. You know what I mean? So for people that, that are there from the South, and they want to hear hear, hear home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're really excited about that. And and the people that are from there that that that, that are southern music culture fans, they get to hear yeah. that. You a know,
0: shout out to my girl Ling. I always wanted to come to that night. And I remember when you did Boston that time. That 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 was like a, a weekly thing where they were playing down south music and yeah, They that, finally got the king. They finally got you up there. It was fun. They were stoked.
1: I want to go back. I want to go back. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, I think uh, I just went back to New York for the first time in years, and it was really incredible to feel that energy and be back out there. And, you know, I, I always say I love New York. I don't want to live there again, but I'd I go there anytime, man. You go there and just get a kickstart. That yeah. energy, man, it was amazing. But uh, those days were incredible because it was coming off of a, you know, talking about hip-hop, like New York was snobby. They hated everything for a while. And oh, yeah. all of a sudden it just kind of came around and came to – a point where, you know, everybody loved the South. It was just started to happen, man. And to see that transformation, to go up there and, and have those parties and go up there for a few days, you might go to a, you know, a proper like through the tunnel back in the day or something or somewhere where it's like very New York. Yes. And then you come and you're like, man, I don't know, what are they going to think? And then you throw your event and there's a whole nother crowd hungry for something different.
1: Yeah, it, everything is everything is in New York. Mm-hmm. Everything. I don't give a damn what walk of life or what are you doing around it. Your crowd is there. You know mm-hmm. that's like Houston. No matter what walk of life that you're in or part of around there, you have a crowd there.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what's beautiful about Houston finally getting its its uh, attention and due because it is the most diverse city in America. It is a a cultural mecca that was unrecognized for years. And I used to even sometimes when like the journalists would come down. For you and for like the Houston artists, Bun and Swisher House artists and things, they come down to do stories. I'd try to take them to like a Mexican market or somewhere on the Southwest side where it's like little, you know, a lot of Asian people or a different. Like show them a little different side too to show them how what this city really is because it's a that city has its own energy too.
1: Yeah, it is, It does.
0: It's its own entity. Yeah, for it's, sure.
1: It's so crazy. You can go to a different part of Houston and feel like you have went to a whole different culture. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. For real. For real. And it's grown so much and expanded so much.
1: Exactly. You know?
0: Yep. What have you got going on these days, man? What's been uh your focus?
1: My my focus is really just brand expansion. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many people that embrace the Switch House brand and believe in it. So I'm just attaching it to different products and stuff like that. You know, before we just kind of just kept it, kept it with the music around there. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a brand that people believe in and and, and stuff like that. So we expanding the brand, you know.
0: Exactly. I mean, you think it like the box set was that Could we see more interesting sort of things like that coming yeah. down the pipeline. Or? Yeah,
1: exactly, man. Like we did a box set. Um, I did something different. I, I did some dominoes. Ah. Like, yeah, I did some switch house dominoes. So um just just doing different things that people are interested in, you know, that that everybody else isn't doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's so crazy during the pandemic. I think that we were one of the first brands to start making customized masks. Hmm.
2: You know,
1: during the pandemic when 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 the when the pandemic first started and it was hard to get masks in general. Yep. We had somebody that was sewing them and making them. Man. Yeah. So it's just the fact that man just you know, just making fun stuff, you know what I mean, that mm-hmm. people like and want to embrace. You know, I don't want to do the average stuff like everybody wants to do a liquor and all that, that you know, the average yeah, rapper stuff, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Some sweet ass liquor that gives you a headache.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to do something that's good, man. I really want to do things that are good for people, man, you yeah. know, and think that you're going to enjoy, you yeah. know, like if you're a domino player, you're going to enjoy those dominoes because... Once you put out some Swiss House Dominoes, that's just the, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Period. You know, like wow.
0: I know some people that would go crazy for that. Yeah, for I'm. Sure. I
1: I got to do another run of them though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The uh the mask thing is crazy. We're not wearing masks anymore. And I remember when you like you said you couldn't get them when I first when it first happened. A friend told me about a place in Dallas where I ordered, ten, N95s and ten of just the little blue and white ones. Mm-hmm. And that was fifty bucks, wow! In the beginning, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, I gotta get them. I'm like, yeah, oh, we gotta get our hands on them. And then all of a sudden, flooded. You could get anything on a mask.
1: Yeah, it's it's so crazy, man. Back then, man, we were uh, <laughs> we were selling the mask for fifteen dollars a mask, man. Some of them we were actually able to sell them for twenty dollars a mask man. back then. Insane, you know. But they—they, they, I mean, but we was having the masks custom made, so they was taxing us mm-hmm. to do that. It's not like we bought them in bulk and put the brand on it. No, these people were actually sewing these masks and putting them together by hand.
0: Mm-hmm. And then somebody had something unique, got to you know, in those bleak times, it was something to bring them a, a little brighten, brighten their day a bit. Something different, something new.
1: Yeah. So people, yeah. people are people always hungry for something new. So we mm-hmm. want to give them something new. I don't know what that new thing is going to be right now. Yep. I'll give you something new.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I think the vinyl stuff is, is I, I know personally, my I want that.
1: I have an idea, but I don't want to say it on a podcast right now. Yep. But I got something that I have an idea that people are going to really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I have one that is, <laughs> you're going to be a souvenirable person and you're going to definitely get this. Man, yeah, I I, I don't want to pop it. I'm going to pop it out, you know, and I'm I'm going to execute this idea. So, yeah, for
2: sure,
0: yeah. What's a, uh, what do you think the biggest thing you've seen is? Like, I see Chameleon Air on the commercials now. Like, in, it's like an insurance commercial, isn't it, or what is that?
1: Yeah, Chameleon, Air, man. Yeah. Th- th- this guy, it, that was like, cool. Yeah, you know,
0: that just popped. I didn't even know about it, and it just popped on TV one night, and I was like, whoa.
1: Man, there's no telling what what happened with Chameleon. Air. Chameleon Air is always. Ten steps ahead of whatever that you that you' are uh, aware of mm-hmm. if you ever have a conversation with chameleonaire, it would be one of the most interesting conversations that you ever had in your life
0: yep yeah, well, chameleonaire has said publicly that I was the first person to ever interview him, and he's actually turned down doing a podcast with me like three times i am waiting, chameleonaire, I need to get him on here for real, but the uh I want to know when you first saw. Let's start with them Paul and Camille because I've heard, you know, stories about how they met you and how they kind of pursued you. What did you see in them? Did you see something special in them right off the bat?
1: You know what's so crazy about, about Paul? Paul is one of those type of people that was so persistent. Paul was so persistent that you have to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, when when Paul first came by right I I I didn't know what to expect, you know. It's like, finally, okay. I'm, I'm, Paul, come on, come on, come on in. You know, come on in. Come on, let's do a session. You know, caught on the right day. Come on in. You know, and he brought comedian with him, man. And shh, it's been history ever since. You know mm-hmm. what I
0: mean? Well, he. They told me they were doing like promotions for record labels and things. Like they were doing flyers and things for yeah. for different things, and they would be in the parking lots and.
1: Yeah, Paul. We used to do. This, me and Ron used to do this thing called the All Star, and I met uh, Paul. He was doing promotions. I. I think he was doing promotions for Cash Money back then. I don't know. He was, mm-hmm. he was promoting records, but he was actually one of the flyer promoters for the, of the event, you mm-hmm. know? And he was there uh, with Cam. They had a group called the Sleepwalkers back then.
2: Yeah,
0: with PKT, I believe. Yeah. Well, they started out Christian rap. Yeah. Early on.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so crazy, man. But I... I I don't know. Paul is just such such a cool dude, you know. Yeah, he's always such a cool and persistent dude, man. You know what I mean? And always been super respectful. So it's just like you you have to give him a chance, period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He Paul Paul is like even with even with some of the shit that that I know Paul go through, right? Mm-hmm. He he. I I, rarely, I have never seen him be publicly disrespectful to anybody. You know what I mean? No. Even to the people that deserve it. You know. Yep. And he's one of the coolest people on the planet. You know what I mean?
0: When you were first like bringing the guys together, was this friends of yours? Was this stuff you saw in the club? Or was this people who came to you as a DJ? Like, how did you know when you first started working with artists and having freestyles on the tapes?
1: You know what? It's it's never been like. Um, it wasn't a planned attack. It's just like everybody really came in from a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. like somebody's like is my homeboy. And uh, they come over to the house to come hang out. And then he would bring his friend with him. Like, perfect example. Lil Mario, right? Mm-hmm. Lil Mario was the first person from Acre's home that came and rapped on a DJ Michael Watts or Swish House tape, right? He just brought his friends over there, man. You know? He just brought his friends over there. I asked about Slim, and he brought Slim over there. You know what I mean? And uh, and Mario came through there, and he brought j Dog and Slim over there, and he just... Everybody just came in as a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. It's not like I sit up there and, like, like, trying to be an A&R and say, oh, I'm looking for artists. Mm-hmm. Never. Wow. You know, everybody just kind of just migrated in. You know, their homeboy came through and, you know, just gave them a shot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Was there anybody, like you said, Paul, with his persistence and, anything, and all that, was there anybody that you, where you really saw something special right off the bat, like that moment when they got on your mic? Um, like just
1: I'm floored when I when I first heard Slim, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, he gave me that vibe or that, you know what I mean? I mean, live, yeah, Slim did. You know, mm-hmm. I saw something like, wow.
0: Was that the first time you saw him, or was he already active, like in the clubs or in? No, I mean that was
1: the first time I saw him. I met him at the All Star. Okay, and I don't know if we had a freestyle session or I don't I don't remember exactly, but I remember being wild when he got on the mic. Mm-hmm. I, I I loved his voice. You know what I mean? Because he had that strong voice, you know, and 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 his delivery was so, you know, he mm-hmm. had that delivery, man. Just like yeah. wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. When he when you hear his voice, it's like wow, you know what I mean? his delivery was like wow, you know. That's like that's like Cam, you know what I mean? His delivery was like wow, you know what I mean? And his wordplay was like wow. Yeah, all that. Yeah.
0: That was just, that was, those are the days, man, for real. That was a was the All Star like just a club or a club night? It was or? just a it was
1: just like a a club night. It was just yep. a teen club, you know. Okay. And they and they used to throw team parties there either on a Friday or a Saturday night. You know, it just smoogie used to do it and yep. he had me and Ron to DJ it. So, you know, we uh <laughs> we just spinning in there
0: and shoot. And people get up and freestyle?
1: Yeah, we used to have a session, man, let people yep. freestyle over there in the
0: night. So did the battle scene to come into that era too? Because I don't feel like that, I mean, it, early Houston days was a battle scene. Yeah, I
1: never really got into the battles, yeah. you know what I mean? I always wanted the rapping to be fun, yeah. you know? I I never set it up battle style,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? That was like Scotty he used to do that stuff, the battle stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I remember, I think Bun used to do something like that too, you know? He used to, I think he used to sponsor some with Scotty, I think he did, don't make me uh, mm-hmm. be a liar here, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, to be honest, the Rhinestone Wrangler days were a little before us. I mean, I don't know if you went to that at I all. Never no, that I never did. No, I never did. That was before me, too, yeah. But uh, to hear those tales and to see what came out of it, the K-Renos and people like that, that to this day are still, he's got a record coming out, like, right now.
1: K-Renos just, I mean, he, he <laughs> that man yeah. keeps going. And, and stop And they're and good going. records. They're good. Yes. Yes. You, absolutely.
0: You did it for him recently, didn't you? Did yeah. you guys do something together?
1: Yeah, the BFE Rock Club. Uh my homie Big Yogi threw this uh, uh birthday party, mm-hmm. you know, and he's he's a big K Reno fan. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I you know it's crazy. Over the years, lately, I did a a couple of uh, gigs with uh K Reno. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Back in 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 the nineties and stuff like that, I always heard of K Reno, but I've never worked with him. Mm-hmm. I didn't start uh doing gigs with him and uh, to like the last five years, maybe you know.
0: Yeah, I think the first one was the one here in Austin, and he came down, and you were DJing the the show, and then ended up also DJing for him. Yeah, yeah,
1: K. Reno, and that man, was a monumental honest. moment. And yeah, man, that, hey, K. Reno is man, that that dude, that is man. When it come down to the Houston culture around there, and and lyricists around there, he just like one of the top of it, you know. Hands down. Yeah. yeah it, to it, this it, day. Yeah, he's not one. He's never been one of them. I'm coming down type rappers like that. He's just a lyricist, a
0: artist, lyricist. Did you know? You want to talk? I'm gonna talk a little shit right now about K. Reno because I love the guy. DJ Premier has said publicly, publicly, that he wants to do a whole album with K. Reno. He needs to do. Why is, why is Where's his album? Hey,
1: you know that, that needs to happen. That needs to happen. That needs to happen immediately. I mean, like.
0: Shit, I said it to know? him. I told him before. He's like, "Man, all I'm like, dude." Premier said it on the radio. Hey, uh, K. Reno said he doesn't want to do it. He didn't say he didn't want to do it. Just hasn't uh-huh. happened yet. And I'm like, make it happen,
1: man. Do that. That would be epic. You know, somebody's
0: got to put that out.
1: That, that that's gotta that that'll be epic. You know yeah. that that is a match that'll work. You know what I mean? Yep. That'll that, you know, and, and considering what K. Reno brings to the table, he's a child of hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, and when it comes down to it, you know, Premier. It's yeah. a child of hip hop. The boom bat. Houston. Yes.
0: That's some heat that's real Houston right there. The that, beginnings. That, that's the boom bat. You
1: know what I mean? Yep. I think
0: it'll be a beautiful
1: combo. That needs to happen. Needs to happen. It don't even need
0: to be a second thought. It needs to be an execution. I mean, think of how dope Pete Rock and Paul Wall came out. Yes. That was a, that was a surprise too. I mean, because when we were younger, that wasn't even a, a that wasn't gonna happen. You know, nowadays to hear these things happen is so beautiful.
1: Yes. Uh, Pete Rock was one of my uh favorite producers as well, too, you yeah. know. I always want to know where did he get that baseline from? Yeah. What was he using for that baseline? He had the smoothest baselines mm-hmm. for producers that I ever heard in my life. Amazing. Yes.
0: And what I loved about the early days in Houston was Houston always had its own thing with the ghetto boys with rap out and with the South South Park Coalition and the Trinity Garden Cartel and all these type of groups the street military. But the same back in the day the same clubs where you'd see them, you could also see Pete rock and Seal Smooth or Tribe Called Quest on a random Sunday at the Palladium.
1: You know, so crazy. I, I, in, back then. I wasn't going out then. I was like back, yeah. back then. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and and the place I did go to was on the north because that's the only place I can get to because I had no transportation. And that's uh, where I, uh, it was. a Place called Gucci's.
2: Yeah, and Gucci? Walter
1: D's DJed over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Gucci's was the rowdiest, most fun club that. Uh, that uh, that ever existed. Mm-hmm. Every night, every night that it was open, somebody was fighting and shooting. Period. You know, and this was, <laughs> and this was the eighties. You know, this was the eighties, mm-hmm. basically. You know, basically late eighties. But it was so much fun. Yep, I have never been to a club where I was entertained as much as I was at Gucci's.
0: I think my first one was the Palladium on, on North Forty Five, I believe when I started going to clubs out there and it was, uh, it was when you would turn on the radio. When I first moved to Houston, I didn't really have any friends. I didn't know anybody. And I'd be driving around and I'd hear on the radio, like tonight, because it wasn't, you didn't find out really far in advance for these clubs. You had to listen like on Thursday to hear what was happening on Friday. They'd be like tomorrow night, the ghetto boys live or too short live, you know, whoever at that era, Pete Rock and seal smooth. And, uh, at first, I, of course, I didn't have any friends. I wasn't about, to me, the north side was Fifth Ward. That's all I knew. I knew it from tapes. You know, I didn't know what it was when I, when I first moved there. And Yeah. But it was just one night. I was like, man, I don't give a damn. I'm going to see the Ghetto Boys. I'm going. And I, and I believe it was at the Palladium. And I just went by myself at like 9.30 thinking because the radio was on the radio, like, it's going down right now. It's about And you walk in. There's no one there whatsoever. And then at like 11.30, it's packed. Yeah, that's funny. And then the show starts at 2.05. <laughs> with the lights on, I know, right? That's, That's what crazy.
1: it was like back then. That's how it was back then. That's crazy, man. I remember that part on radio too. I've been yeah. in the radio since the early 90s, mm-hmm. um, mid 90s. Let me say the, the, the mid 90s. I, I remember all of that stuff. You know, it's crazy. I never been to a ghetto boys concert. What and, and until, right? While, um uh, probably a couple of years back, mm-hmm. um, Damo and and Scarface kind of fell out, so I did a couple of dates for him, and I they remember. happened to have um 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 a Ghetto Boys concert, mm-hmm. and uh, I I got to do it with those guys around there. I mean, I, I, it was amazing. You I know remember. what I mean? That's when Bushwick was still alive and stuff like that, and it's just like man, that's one of the uh, one of the highlights of my life and my career, man. I, I'm I'm actually DJ for the fucking Ghetto Boys. Yeah, I I would have never thought that, and I've never ever been to a Ghetto Boys full concert. You know what wow. I mean? I always either been to a, it's always been solo. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Either it was a bookswick show or a Scarface show, or it was the Willa D show. Yeah, that's my first time being with those guys, and and I'm spinning this shit. Yeah, that shit was epic. You know what Man, I mean?
0: Man, they always had a show. Yes, they you had know. always had a show. Like they're. uh they had a they had a choreographed show like every time, and uh, up until the end, it was amazing.
1: You know, it's so crazy, man. When I, you know what, when I went on the road um, with Scarface, when him and Damo, um, mm-hmm. you know, had they were at odds, you know what? I realized that Damo was a hell of a goddamn DJ. You can't, you can't take Damos when it come down to the Ghetto Boys mm-hmm. and Scarface, right now, mm-hmm. you, you can't take Damo's place. Mm-mm. Damo is they they're they're you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's an incredible DJ and they, they they they're fit perfectly. You know what I mean? Together, you know? I
0: mean, the ghetto boys are not a press play group. No, nah, that you know, I mean the they have button. a chemistry. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. You
1: can't replace the quarterback. No. <laughs> I mean, period. You know what I mean? Yep. You can't replace the quarter you can't replace the quarterback. You know what I mean?
0: No, for real. And I mean, I remember listening to Damo and Wiz and them on the radio in the middle of the night. Yeah. Back in the, those early days as well, man, and like when I remember being, cause I my first real foray into Houston rap was I got to intern at the at the studio where they recorded We Can't Be Stopped. Oh wow! I was at Sound Arts that whole time, pretty much just taking the garbage out. Like I didn't do anything except kind of babysit the place, just be there. And I got to watch and hear, and it was such an amazing time in it. But when I found out that uh, Reddy Red left. And then all of a sudden, I saw a show with them. Like, and it was Damo. I was like, you know, I didn't really know him at the time. He Became a great friend of mine later, of course. But like, I was watching. I couldn't believe uh, that was, you know, this dude got that opportunity, and he stuck with it all this, these years since like '91, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: crazy.
1: Man, Damo's been a, through a, a lot of things. Damo was an incredibly cool and talented person, man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's incredibly, incredibly cool and and talented. You know.
2: Yep.
0: Anybody, any artists we need to be looking out for? Have you been? Man, you know what's so crazy, man?
1: I've just, I, I've just kind of been, just kind of just sitting back. You know what I mean? And just really, uh, uh I just really been basically mentally taking a break from the music. You know, I tell you, one person that I personally have been uh, uh, working with was uh, Highway Yellow. You know, okay, he was like the last artist that uh, I worked with or switch House around that, right? And uh, he's pretty dope. You know, and that that's. That's about it for me personally being attached to anybody new, you know. Mm-hmm. You know he has some cool stuff around that. He's beginning to be more creative as as his career goes on, you know. Yeah. But there are a lot of incredibly dope artists out here, though. You know, a lot of it's it's like people aren't are are aren't limiting themselves nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. I'm glad that whole follow the leader stuff is is you know is is it seemed like it's ending.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. There's a lot of different sounds coming out right now, which is great. Yes, it's I'm really like, cool to see.
1: It was, it got to a point, man. If I hear another trap record, I'm going to freaking scream. Yeah. If I if I hear another 65 to, to to 70 BPM, same trap, same sub, same subject record, I'm going to fucking
0: scream. <laughs> no, I got to a point where I could hear the beginning, hear the drums in the beginning of a song, and be like, I know I'm not going to like it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I exactly. just could
0: hear those the, that sound of those drums and just say, no, that's enough. I've yeah. Heard it, I've heard yeah. it before.
1: I want I wanted to bring the fun back to to music yeah. mm-hmm. as a whole, not just hip hop. I wanted to bring fun to music as a whole. Remember back in the day, you know, that it just like you you had a smile on your face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hip hop was fun. Yeah. You know? It 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 was good. It took you in a good place, you know what I mean? You know, it don't you know, back back in the day, you know, is it, it was cool, it was fun, it was energetic. It made made you want to party. You know what I mean? Mhm. Now, I mean, nowadays, all this shooter and stepper shit, man, it's just I'm like, damn, I'm getting pissed off by listening to this shit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I can't do it anymore. I can't, there's I, a lot. There's still a lot of good things coming.
1: Yeah, I, I can't fuel myself with that energy nowadays. You know what I mean? Even no. if other people say that they like it, I just can't just, I, I don't want to be the person that pushed that shit. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, that's interesting you say that because I had a similar revelation where I look back I mean, we just talked about the ghetto boys who were crazy as hell, but they also had the Ghetto Boys gave you both sides of the story when you listen to it. And that's what the best storytelling rap would be Yes, to get like a full picture as opposed to just bang, 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 bang. Yes. But uh, I got to a point where I had to kind of question myself and what I've listened to my whole life and kind of try to figure that out and get around it. Cause I'd hear some of the newer stuff. Like, I mean, I never wanted to be the guy that got older and like, you know, the old man saying what the hell is this? But I think, you're pretty justified in saying there's been some uh, hip hop has gone up and down through its whole, air, whole life. Yeah. You know what?
1: At this point in my life right now, right? I have accepted mm. the fact that I'm the old man right now. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I've I always been everybody's OG for like the last yeah. <laughs> 20 years. Okay. I've been the last, they OG for like the last 15 years or whatever, right? So I'm, I'm actually accepting the fact of that, you know, and I love the pocket of life that I'm in right now as, as far as my career and, and the culture around there. you know? Mm-hmm. I can I can be happy now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can I can give people – I got a fan base that I can just give them what they want and, and give them that happiness in their life that they, they embrace. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to keep up with the times no more. It's nah, just like – I like Jazzy Jeff. When yes. you listen to Jazzy Jeff's set, this man is just going out here and just having a good time. You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what DJs are, are. You know, everybody has their has their 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 creativity. And I like being able to be in that type of pocket right now.
0: For sure, man. I definitely appreciate that. And I understand and feel that completely, man, because it's a it's a blessing that we're both still here, man. It's very, uh I'm very happy to sit down and talk to you all these years later and really uh just catch up.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: Talk about some music. Absolutely, I see you still doing it, and uh, like I said, I I really do hope that Swisher House experience goes all over the world because people I, need to see it. And it's
1: it's gonna it's gonna go there, you know. It's gonna go there, you know. It's already set up for it, you know. And uh, like I say, man, I'm I'm glad that that uh, you know, that we're in a position where that can happen now, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, for real. Do you have anything else you want to? You got anything else coming up? You want to let the people know?
1: Uh, you know what? Um, I don't like I don't like. Letting early cats out the bag, you know. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing is this year I like to, you know. Oh yeah, we're gonna have another Switch House, uh, White Oak uh, Music Hall. I I forgot exactly what day it's gonna be on, but we're gonna do it in November. So we're gonna have another Switch House experience at White Oak Music Hall in November.
0: Would yeah. that be like a concert or? It's gonna be more of
1: a concert. Like, oh man, yeah, it's another. It's gonna be on a different level. So it's gonna be a Switch House experience concert.
0: Dope, dope. Yeah. That's great. Well, we'll get that information. I'll find it online and we'll put it in the uh, the notes for this podcast.
1: Yeah. So as soon as I get as soon as I get the date confirmed, I'll hit you back. All right. All right. I got to use the restroom.
0: You got it, man. Thank you so much, Michael Watts, for uh, joining us here on uh, Toxo so Real today. Uh, again, it's Toxo so Realist on all the socials,
2: and uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. We are back.